Hey, it's Jordan with Beat the Press, uh, podcast edition. We have a wonderful journalist. She's based in the Middle East, but is taking the unfortunate vacation uh, in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, Rania Kalek, uh, you uh, are kind of a voice of reason, uh, I think, on uh, the military industrial complex. Uh, you are a voice of reason on the actual uh, conditions on the ground in Syria and elsewhere. Frankly, as someone who covers mostly domestic news, uh, you probably have more expertise on this in your pinky than my whole being. So I'm glad that uh, I could talk to you. Uh, for everyone that's uh, listening and watching, by the time this goes up, for all I know, we're actually have, going to have already dropped missiles or something like that on the Syrian people. So hopefully it's not outdated. But I just want to ask you to start. I might be like in the twilight zone, but uh, Defense Secretary Mattis today literally said we are still looking into these chemical attacks, who was responsible, all those things. Yet when I when I was listening to an NBC News report yesterday and, and all these other reports, they were talking as if this is Assad and this was this is a this is a known fact. Can you kind of talk about it? I mean, we know that the media usually does this, but. It seems like it's been declared again that this is coming from the Assad regime with no evidence. Yeah, that's a really crucial point to emphasize is that there has been no proper investigation done yet uh, so far. So we don't know who actually who carried out this attack or if a chemical attack even happened. Um, and so the rush to judgment to just go in, you know, ready to bomb is really disturbing because the entire uh, the entire media apparatus, I mean, not just the corporate press, but from left to right, is just kind of pushing the same narrative of Assad did it, Assad did it. And so is the entire Trump administration. Nobody stepped back to say, okay, let me investigate this first. We're just going to drop bombs before we even have an investigation. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's really incredibly disturbing. I mean, James Mattis, I mean, Mattis is probably one of the only, and this is saying a lot because Mattis is, is not exactly a peaceful guy, but he is the voice of reason. And from what I understand in Washington, D.C., unlike times in the past, uh, when it was the Obama administration or even last year under Trump, when people did question and, and think, OK, well, we don't know if Assad actually did it or not. This time around, apparently everybody, most everybody in the Trump administration isn't even asking that question. Uh, they're just taking it as a given that that Syria, that the Syrian government did it. Uh, so there's no skepticism whatsoever coming from anybody. It's really, really, really crazy. And we've, you know, we've danced this dance before, <laughs> you know, Iraq, uh, you know, uh, Libya, I mean, on and on and on of, yeah, we'll go in because like, you know, we're still gathering the evidence. We're still gathering the intelligence. But, you know, there's 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 bluster and you got the neocons and now you have John Bolton uh, next to a, a, a very uh, imbalanced president, obviously. But you wrote about for RT. So, you know. Of course, I'm speaking with a foreign agent. Here. Uh, <laughs> it's our automatically. Yeah. yeah, you wrote about. You wrote about should be dismissed. Yes, yes. Uh, the vodka is in the mail. Uh, you wrote about for RT, basically pointing out the very suspicious timing. The very suspicious timing here. Like, why would Assad yeah. gas his people when, honestly, he see, it seems like the war is won <laughs> uh, by Assad. Well, yeah. Okay, so the timing is incredibly suspicious, and on top of that, it's about who benefits. Um, the Syrian government has does has done a lot of things, right? They've they dropped a lot of bombs across Syria, uh, but they're not idiots. Um, they are in a stronger position at the moment than they have been in this entire war. They're 
basically about to defeat the entire insurgency. Uh, and Eastern uh, Ghouta, where Duma is, is, was one of the last pockets uh, that insurgents still had, um, especially around Damascus. And so in, in this moment, the Syrian government had absolutely no reason to use chemical weapons. I mean, using chemical weapons is basically like a suicidal thing to do. There's no tactical significance whatsoever to doing it because they were already about to defeat these uh, militants. And on top of that, uh, it would be inviting outside intervention if they did. They know that the international community loses its shit. Sorry, can I curse? Yeah, of course. I don't know if I can curse. Is it okay if I curse? Okay. Well, they know, they know the international community loses its shit at, at the idea of chemical weapons being used. So it's like a suicide thing to do, right? You're basically just inviting the West to come and attack you. Uh, so it doesn't make any sense, logically, that the Syrian government would do this. They were definitely intensive bombing Duma. Context behind that that you don't hear in any news reports, which is that it was like a two-sided situation. There was intense negotiations taking place between the government and the militants that were that were still inside the city of Duma, which is Jaysh al-Islam, which is the Salafi jihadist group that's really no different than ISIS uh, and its rhetoric and tactics and goals. Um, but nobody ever talks about that. But that's aside from that from that point. They were involved in intense negotiations with these militants, some of which um, had been by certain elements of the militants. Some of these negotiations, like some, some, some conditions had been negotiated. They were on the verge of negotiating an agreement where some of these group people could actually put down their weapons, stay in Duma, and actually become at least security in the city. And there had been certain elements of Jaysh al-Islam that had agreed to this. Um, and then things went really sour when the more hardline um, people in Jaysh al-Islam uh, basically replaced the negotiation team and started bombing Damascus with... Um, with what were resembled cluster bombs, according to the UN, but started intensely bombing, like hitting Damascus with missiles. And then Damascus hit back really, really hard and very intensely. And it was while all this was taking place that the claims of chemical weapons um, uh, and a chemical weapons attack were made by the uh, by basically the rebel media groups. Um, and so you have to understand, I mean, these the, who benefits from a chemical weapons attack? It's not the government, it's actually uh, the militants that benefit because they the only thing that can save them at this point is outside intervention and there is a history in Syria of when uh, these various insurgent groups are on the are about to be defeated they start making these bombastic claims um, to try and get outsiders to help them because that's the only thing that will save them it's a, like a survival tactic so that's a possibility I'm not saying that's what happened but that is a possibility and we do know from the areas of eastern Ghouta that have been taken back by the Syrian government that there have there was at least one chemical weapons facility that was discovered. So these uh, insurgent groups, some of them do have certain capabilities when it comes to uh, being able to craft certain type chemical munitions. So the point is, is we don't know who did it. If there was a chemical weapons attack, we don't know who did it. There are other possibilities other than it was just the government. There's also the possibility that there wasn't even an attack. But we're not. We're never going to get an opportunity to know this if there isn't an, a proper independent investigation in the first place. Uh, and the, uh, unfortunately, it looks like we're not going to see that happen before uh, Trump decides to punish Syria, uh, which seems to be ha something that's going to happen within the next few hours. So for, for the layman, because uh, CNN I saw was showing images of, you know, children and, and guests. So when you say there's a uh, possibility there wasn't an attack, are, are, is that, are you saying it might be a false flag or well, there's, I mean, uh, there, there's, I mean, there's other things. I mean, there's other things that could cause, uh, I mean, I don't know if it was like, there's, there's some claims that there was a sarin gas attack, right? Uh, I don't know that, that, that claim may be false. There may have been chlorine gas involved, which makes it hard for people to breathe, which might be the images you were seeing. I don't know. I wasn't there. What I'm saying is that we can't know. And you also have to understand the images you're seeing uh, and the video footage that you're seeing is coming from, um, it's coming from sources that are, 
that are very biased and are also trying to provoke intervention. Uh, so they might not be showing you the entire reality of what's taking place. And again, I don't know what that is. I really don't. The point is, is that I think that it's important to have, to be able to ask questions and to demand that we have actual evidence before we go in and start bombing a country. Um, and unfortunately, like even just saying that, even saying that makes you somebody who gets treated like you're wearing a tinfoil hat. Just saying, hey, let's step back for a second and maybe have an investigation to find out what actually happened before we go in and bomb Syria. Right. And, you know, I find it interesting that this president all of a sudden says, uh, you know, I want the troops out. And obviously the neocons around him kind of reined him back. Uh, so then he said, all right, we'll do it gradually, whatever, but I want them out. And then I think it was less than a week later, there's a chemical attack. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Because the timing seems very interesting to me, like you were saying that, you know, it could be the insurgents looking for help. I mean, the timing, Jordan, the timing is just incredibly remarkable all around. Whenever you have, I mean, whenever you have Trump saying anything even remotely along the lines of let's de-escalate in Syria, something insane happens. The same thing happened last year when the U.S. started changing its position on Syria. It's no longer going to be to try and remove the government. We're going to be focusing on defeating ISIS. And then suddenly you had a chemical weapons, um, an alleged chemical weapons attack last year. Uh, I'm not saying that was, you know, that didn't happen or anything like that. I'm just saying the timing is, is stunningly remarkable. And you have the same thing taking place now where just a week ago, Trump, I mean, the media and the media, the mainstream press and the war hawks that dominate it had a meltdown last week when Trump said he wanted to uh, pull out 2000 U.S. troops from Syria, who, by the way, are occupying Syria illegally without authorization by either Congress or the U.N. Security Council. But no one seems to care about that. But either way, Trump talked about pulling U.S. troops out. Everyone lost their shit. And then days later, you have this alleged chemical weapons attack. And now what you see is those same pundits uh, using this chemical weapons attack or like invoking it to say, okay, well now we have to stay in Syria indefinitely. Um, we're not, we can't leave. And now not only do we have to stay in Syria, we have to escalate in Syria and not just against Syria. We need to escalate in Syria against Iran and against Russia. I mean, it's insane. And no one seems to understand the gravity of how dangerous this is, this kind of escalation in Syria, because you're not just talking about bombing Syria, you're talking about escalating against the people who are also involved in Syria, which is Russia and Iran. Russia is a nuclear power. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I don't think that people in the US administration necessarily want to go to war with Russia. That would be insane, but also who knows? But even if they don't, the idea of the US bombing Syria, which is basically, I mean, there's Russian advisors all over Syrian military bases. So you risk actually hitting Russians and possibly, even if by accident, starting some sort of hot war with Russia. Um, that's a it's a very dangerous moment we're in. And then you turn on the news and that isn't reflected whatsoever. They're basically cheerleading this. It's it's insane. I, I have a trouble wrapping my head around it. And, you know, what's crazy to me, and honestly, I've probably been guilty of this, too, is you hear a lot of media say, oh, we're going to drop bombs on Assad. And you've pointed out you're not dropping bombs on Assad. You're dropping bombs on the Syrian people. Uh, you know, the last time they dropped it on, um, you know, the airfield or what have you. But we are risking killing a lot of innocent civilians. And by the way, we're talking about all the all the inroads we've made against ISIS. Well, I think these brainiacs keep forgetting the more bombs you create, the more ISIS's you create. All right, you're going to kill ISIS and then you're going to create the next ISIS because you keep bombing countries that you don't belong in. And... <laughs> 
you know, we have no business in. Can you kind of talk about uh, are, are the well, Syrian people? Well, you know, wow, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned uh, uh, ISIS. You know, last year when the U.S. did those like sort of symbolic airstrikes on the Syrian airfield, they actually bombed an airfield that was predominantly used to attack ISIS. And uh, as a result, you had one less. I mean, because ISIS was still existed last year. It's pretty much been defeated at this point. But ISIS still existed last year. And in Syria, the dominant force fighting ISIS has been the Syrian army. That's the most organized army capable of fighting ISIS. Uh, and so by actually attacking the army last year in that airfield, they attacked uh, uh, basically ISIS's enemy. <laughs> um, and gave them uh, gave them a an advantage, uh, and people living around that airfield were really pissed off about that. But yeah, you know, you often hear the government held areas in Syria are reduced in our pre in our media as just being Assad. All of it is just Assad. We're just bombing Assad and hitting Assad. And regardless of what you think of the monster or or not, uh, Syria is a country that has millions of people living in it, and the majority, the vast majority of them, over far over eighty percent live in government-held areas that are under the rule of Assad. So when you reduce all of those people to Assad, you're basically making them all killable. Because in the American imagination, Assad is killable. Um, and so that's a really dangerous you know, way to, to portray this. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it's not just about creating ISIS. It's about what America has done in Syria these last several years, which also often gets ignored and erased from the conversation around Syria whenever it's about bombing the government, which is that the U.S. has spent the last several years arming and funding a collection of Salafi jihadist groups inside Syria and calling them rebels. And they did this knowingly. These are groups that, you know, go by, go by different names than Al-Qaeda and ISIS, but have similar visions to Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And they commit similar acts as Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And I mean, the U.S. basically funded death squads in Syria. That's the best way I can describe it for people who don't really understand what was taking place. And as a result of doing that, they collapsed the state. They basically did did um, achieve regime change in certain areas of Syria, which is what they called, you know, rebel-held areas. And it was in those areas that ISIS was able to consolidate its forces um, and actually start kidnapping Westerners, and that, you know, gave them a lot of ransom money, and they were able to get startup funding to consolidate their forces inside Syria, inside the areas the U.S. helped collapse. And then they basically were able to go from there and invade Iraq. And that's why you had ISIS take over so much territory is because of what the U.S. and its allies in the region did in Syria. And people don't know that because the U.S. press has not explained that. You know, they don't talk about it like that. Um, and so this is after several years of this taking place. Imagine living in Syria. Imagine not even liking your government, but having to deal with the fact that, like, there's a bunch of death squads that the U.S. has funded that's, that are surrounding you. And the only thing protecting you is your shitty government, you know, which is the case in Syria. And then now after... The government has almost defeated these groups. You now have to face and deal with the fact that the U.S. wants to bomb you. I mean, it's fucking stunning. It's all, I mean, it's just, it's horrible. And you just don't hear it that way. I also think, I mean, uh, I watched uh, Oliver Stone's documentary, for example, in recent weeks, uh, Untold History. And literally what you just, just described is what we've been doing for the last 60 years. We arm, quote unquote, rebels or insurgents that are kind of a nice mixed bowl of you know, it could be uh, radicals, it could be Al-Qaeda, it, it could be a whole mix of things uh, that are slightly uh, more beneficial to our business interests uh, to take out someone who yeah. is not. And it seems to me that's what's going on here. Uh, Assad, uh, Putin, uh, you know, aren't exactly, uh, well, I guess Trump was hoping uh, Putin would be uh, favorable. 
uh, for oil and, and a lot of other things. But it seems to me they're essentially trying to take Assad out. Uh, and, you know, I, I agree. It's, 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 it's not black or white whether he's a monster or not. But they're trying to take him out essentially to put in people they could control that are just as dangerous. Right. Oh, just not, not just as dangerous, more dangerous, actually. If you want to talk about who's dangerous to American interests, when you have groups who work alongside, I mean, Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda is the group that is responsible for 9-11. Um, and that was actually partially, I mean, the Al-Qaeda kind of grew uh, or evolved out of groups that the U.S. armed and funded in Afghanistan back in the 80s to, uh, uh, to, try, and to you know, try and fight the Soviets, uh, which so Al-Qaeda sort of like blowback in that sense. And now you have the U.S. kind of doing something similar again in Syria. But at this point, the U.S. failed. The U.S. failed in Syria. Because unlike in Iraq and unlike in Libya, Syria has allies who stuck by it. And those allies were countries like Iran and Russia and groups like Hezbollah, which are also American. And so America essentially lost in Syria. They're no longer funding these groups. And these groups are basically on the verge of complete defeat. Uh, and so now what you have is, you know, the sort of like remnants of, of the regime change, you know, like propaganda are still are still taking place and sort of like in their final days. Um, and now the U.S. is, I don't even really know what the purpose of this is at this point. I'm not really sure because bombing Syria, it's not like the U.S. is going to do it indefinitely. It's not like it's going to be a long bombing campaign. It'll be like a day or two, I think, of airstrikes and that's it. Um, maybe more than last year, but it's not going to change the course of the war. And so I don't even know what it's about at this point. At this point, it seems almost it's just like Trump and his administration want to flex their muscle. Um, and show that America has the authority to bomb anywhere and everywhere it wants to, whenever it wants to. And it seems to me, you know, they've basically been, that is the corporate media, the Democrats have been ranting and raving that Trump's a, a puppet. And he's, you know, he have Howard Dean tweeting, Trump's a wimp. And all these crazy things, they've been doing this for a year. And people like Glenn Greenwald and others have been saying, hey, you might not want to keep poking a very unstable, narcissistic, uh, in my view, sociopath, um, because he might just cave in to look strong. And now that he is saying, I'm, you know, exactly. he's telegraphing it. Uh, now you have some Democrats saying, oh, this is crazy, this and that. Like, what exactly do does the media, the Democrats, uh, it looks like Republicans too, which one is it? Do they, do they think he's a puppet or now do they think he's crazy? Well, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's all so schizophrenic, right? Because you also have the media saying that Trump is controlled by the Russians, is controlled by Putin. Um, while at the same time, Trump is escalating in Syria against Russia. Um, and, they're, I don't, and then they're cheering, they're like clapping for that, all while still saying he's controlled by Putin. So, I mean, is, is it the Russians that are making Trump escalate against them in Syria? I mean, it's like nothing makes sense. I, I sometimes, honestly, I've lived, I've been living abroad for the past um, year or so. And I've been a little bit far removed from um, everything taking place domestically in this country. But sometimes I look at the U.S. media when I do get a chance to see it, and it just looks insane. And now that I'm back in the U.S. for the first time in a year, I, I just look around, especially in D.C., people have lost their mind. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, just, I don't know how else to describe it. It's all just being anti-Trump to the point where, like, they almost become, it's almost like the coastal liberal elites have become, like, conspiracy theorists. I mean... Some of the some of the ideas they're throwing around, like about Russia controlling Trump, and then I think someone I think someone was saying that like Twitter was saying like Russia and Trump uh, actually staged the chemical weapons attack from weeks ago. Um, like I don't even I, I just the most insane things that don't make any sense, but that's like things that you hear on CNN now. 
Well, I don't, I don't know if you've. Um, I don't know. If I don't understand what's happening. I don't know if you've seen this, but they're now blaming Russian trolls on every single American movement. So they're saying Russian trolls are the reason Standing Rock was so big, and Russian trolls were the reason Bernie's movement was uh, made bigger. Black Lives Matter. I mean, pretty soon they're going to say move back to the civil rights movement. It, it seems to me, yeah, there were paid ads on Facebook, okay, from from Russians, but. Uh, it seems to me that there is an element of conspiracy theory, but there's also an element of just straight up greed. I mean, the Bill Crystals of the world have been rehabilitated, David Frum, all these people yeah. that, frankly, in a civilized society would be banished into a corner by now for, for their propping up war crimes are now, you know, on MSNBC, columns and, you know, in the New York Times. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, it's the best thing that could have happened to them. Uh, they have they have been completely rehabilitated. All the people who were the architects of the Iraq war have been rehabilitated, and they're all allied with liberals now. Liberals who hated them during the Bush years have are now holding them up as heroes because they're anti-Trump. Um, and it's really dangerous. And I mean, it's, at this point, it's almost like I'm, I, I'm kind of waiting for the moment when uh, Russia gets blamed for, or Russian trolls get blamed for slavery in America. Uh, because that's kind of how things are. It's like there's also... It's, it's also an attempt to try to avoid having to, to do any introspection on why we have, the, why there are bad things happening in our society. There are many things about American society that are very unhealthy um, in terms of like, you know, we have poverty on the rise. We have homelessness on the rise. You know, domestically, we're cutting the very little welfare that we have in this country. Uh, and there's a lot of animosity towards the economy right now because people are living paycheck to paycheck. All of the kinds of things that Bernie Sanders became so popular for during his campaign, people rallied around. Those are things that people, like there are actual grievances that people have. And instead of actually dealing with those grievances, it seems like the corporate wing of the Democratic Party instead has chosen to latch on to these insane narratives um, instead of dealing with what's actually wrong. And I think that has, a, has to do with it as well. And yeah, that's who benefits. It's, it's all of these like warmongers and war hawks that benefit because now they're part of the anti-Trump resistance. Um, and now Bill, I mean, it's insane. Bill, Bill Crystal and David Frum are people who should be so disgraced that they shouldn't ever be allowed to have a column again. Like they should be people who are looked at as though they're the ones wearing tinfoil hats um, because they got so much wrong. And instead it's the opposite. Um, those are the people that are given respect. Those are the people that are treated as though they're dignified. Um, and now they're making the same arguments that they made 15 years ago. And it's like, nobody's learned their lesson. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's really dangerous because at this point I feel like I mean, I get really cynical because I feel like we're in a different era now where things, things like climate change are so severe and and and, um, and that should kind of be like at the top of the agenda of everything. But it's just, you know, when you turn on the news or look at the headlines, everything is just dominated by crap, you know, absolute crap. It's like just this huge distraction. My last question, uh, I was in Europe last year, obviously you've been abroad for a while, and I think there's this misnomer that like everybody around the world is just dying to move to America, the American dream. Uh, <laughs> at least the people I talked to couldn't, couldn't, they would do not want to come to America. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? Because I, I think that, you know, estimates I think came out last year that we've spent six trillion in, in these wars all over the world. Uh, it's probably gonna go up under Trump. Um, what is your thoughts just on how people are viewing America? Because, uh, you know, I think the media here pretends that everything was just dandy on January 19th before Trump. But I, I, yeah. I, I think it's in our own minds, our own grandiose minds that we're the envy of the world at this point. 
Uh, yeah, we're definitely not the envy of Europeans because they have it so much better than us. Um, I got I had to live in Germany for a few months uh, last year, and um, I mean, people are taken care of in ways that Americans just aren't. You know, college is relatively free. People get like a year off and maternity leave paid. Um, people get paid vacation. Oh my God, the amount of paid vacation that people are entitled to, and they should be in European countries, is amazing. I mean, I in the U.S., like I, you get like two weeks off if you're lucky that are paid. You know, in European countries, people get like like three months a year of of they have to take paid. I mean, it's amazing. Your boss can't call you after work hours. It's like illegal. Um, but also, like, life is affordable. You pay a lot of taxes, but life is affordable. You can, like, enjoy yourself and relax and have a little bit of spending money because things, I mean, public transportation works. That's something that you really don't get in the U.S. Infrastructure is nice. Like, things around you are clean. People recycle. There's just things that you get. Like, daycare is free. Um, that's, I mean, why would you want to leave that to come to the U.S.? Where, like, all of those, I mean, people spend so much money. I'm still paying student debt. I don't know about you. Like, I'm still paying off my student loans, and I'm 30. Um, and, you know, my, like, my sisters have to pay an insane amount of money for their kids to go to preschool. Uh, uh, and, like, you know, everything just costs so much in the U.S. And, you know, health insurance is out of control. Um, it costs so much of your paycheck right Rent is so high. I just had back surgery. I have a $5,000 bill with health insurance. So go figure. Yeah, you know, I had neck surgery a few years ago and I didn't had surgery before and I had health insurance at the time and I had to pay off my like thousands of dollars in what I still had to pay monthly. Um, and I was really pissed off about it. Like that's not something you see in European countries. Uh, and maybe in Eastern European countries, but not definitely not in Western European countries. But the point is, is that people in other countries are not dying to come to the U.S. Maybe some people in like war-torn countries are because, you know, they their, their understanding of the U.S. is like through Hollywood films and they want to get the hell out of their countries and go somewhere safe. Uh, but for the most part, the U.S., like people just kind of abroad look at the U.S. and wonder what the hell is wrong with that country. They have so much money and they like spend it on wars uh, and they don't take care of their people and they keep shooting black people. Like why do, why do they keep shooting Black people in the street in America. Like, and even in Lebanon, you know, I live in Lebanon right now. And a couple of weeks ago, a friend of stopped me, like, bumped into a friend of mine. And he asked me about, um, I can't remember his name. Who was the guy in Sacramento? The police shot him like 20 times. That was a few weeks ago. Uh, but he asked me, like, this guy was shot in Sacramento. Why? Thank you. Stephon Clark. He was like, why did they shoot him so many times? I don't understand. And, like, Lebanon is a country that's experienced this civil war. And people in Lebanon still can't understand why American security forces just like riddle people who are black with bullets um, on a regular basis. Uh, so yeah, that's how people in other parts of the world view the U.S. <laughs> I hope, uh, I really hope by the time this goes up, we're not, uh, you know, dropping missiles. Uh, I hope that some semblance of sanity returns. I know that a lot of these corporate media outlets, uh, their parent companies, either directly or indirectly benefit uh, from war, uh, they are either, you know, General Electric owned NBC and MSNBC for years and General Electric, you know, <laughs> built a lot of the, the war, war material uh, in this country. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping that clear minds uh, can come to the table, but I'm really glad we got to speak. Uh, where could people find you? And Jordan, well, Jordan, real quick, I just want to also thank you for having me on because, because there, I mean, the, the intensity around Syria is so extreme that... Uh, I mean, you're probably going to be inundated with like a litany of trolls just for having me on because being anti-war, being an anti-war voice right now gets you attacked in a way I've never seen before. So anyways, I just want to say thank you for like 
for not being like other outlets and, and giving a voice to somebody who doesn't want to see more war. Well, as somebody who uh, as somebody who just experienced uh, a lot of untrue things said about me, I'm very, very, uh, I'm very, very familiar with trolls. So that's OK. Uh, they 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 can break because you know go figure. I believe when you're covering the possibility of launching missiles when you don't even have the confirmed evidence, you might want to talk to actual experts that don't have any financial gain in, in the issue. You know, you look at CNN, MSNBC. They literally it's it's an honor roll of quote unquote former military analysts that are literally working for private security and defense contractors. Actually, I lie. One more one more question about that. Literally, Ben yeah. Norton did a great piece. <laughs> ben Norton did a great piece about this a while back. Like, it, it's just literally the conflict of interest is vile. I mean, you have on CNN, analyst after analyst is currently working in the defense industry and they don't even disclaim it. Um, it, it seems like we're literally asking the people what, what we should do who directly benefit off of more force. Yeah, yeah. And we're not actually, and, and what's even better is how they, they're not identified as people who profit off of this. They're just identified as people who are experts and are analysts that can be trusted. So if you aren't even being informed that these people profit off of going to more war. And you know, I honestly think that if Americans knew uh, the actual reality of what takes place and what is taking place in the Middle East, in Syria, or whatever it is that the U.S. wants to bomb, they would be pretty much against uh, going to war, and for them, they usually are, especially since like Iraq. Americans typically aren't interested in launching wars, um, but it doesn't seem to really matter anymore. But yeah, the conflict of interest, it's not just on CNN and MSNBC, it's also the people who are quoted uh, as experts in the New York Times and the Washington Post, especially think tanks. Think tank experts that are quoted often work at think tanks that are funded heavily by Gulf state countries like Saudi Arabia, like Qatar, like the UAE, who all have very, very deep interests in overthrowing governments that they don't like as well, which happen to align with the governments America doesn't like. Um, so that's also something to consider. And you're never told that. Uh, all of the people who are quoted as experts, especially people like you'll often hear Charles Lister is probably one of the most quoted experts. I put that in big quotes on the issue of this and Syria. And he works for the Middle East Institute, which is heavily funded by Saudi Arabia. And I believe by the UAE, possibly Turkish military, um, probably received some funding from the State Department. So you have this whole network of the, it's like a think tank industry that's actually not think tanks. It's actually just a bunch of, um, a bunch of groups that are funded by defense contractors as well as uh, various monarchies. <laughs> and, and so everything you hear from experts in the mainstream press is typically crap. Not to mention, by the way, the Washington Post not only has a six, excuse me, Amazon, who owns the Washington Post, not only has a $600 million contract with the CIA, but now they're about to get a billion dollar contract with the Pentagon. This is not disclosed in any of their mm -hmm. columns or reports. And Jackie Kucinich, who works with the Daily Beast, I heard her on TV talking about this saying, if you know anything about American holdings, holding companies, Amazon has nothing to do with the Washington Post. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> That's insane. Wow. Yeah, there's like no the Amazon has nothing at all. They just like yeah, there's no there's no connection between what, what the editorial policy of the Washington Post and who funds it and owns it. That's insane. Why else would you buy up media outlets other than the purpose of just making sure your messaging gets out there the way you want it to? That's really stupid. Um but yeah, 
No, that's, I mean, it's, it's, and the Washington Post just had an editorial, I believe, calling for more bombs on Syria. Uh, and I'm sure at the end of that editorial, they did not disclose uh, Amazon's holdings <laughs> or Amazon's ties to the CIA or the Pentagon. Uh, but I'm glad that you're somebody who is, is shedding a light on that. Yes. Well, as somebody who's uh, working to launch his own media network with other reporters, I think we need more reporters like you. I wish you were domestic, uh, but we also, it's very valuable to have <laughs> the eyes and ears of you around the world. So thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Jordan. Sure.